from the summit in Tucson, Arizona, the Corps presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Josh Sigmund and Jay Fletch. Today's topic, closing skills for lenders and realtors. So I'm super, super excited to, to talk about this once again. I love closing negotiation skills. I love talking about how to get the, the thrill to kill. We all are in it a little bit for that piece. Who gets a little bit of high, a little bit of a high when you, when you close something down? Who gets a little bit more high when they say no first like three or four times and then you get the yes, right? Um, that's what we're going to work on a lot today. Before I do, I'm super excited to, to be coaching with Jay. I have not uh, uh, done a class with a realtor as far as uh, closing skills. So I think it'd be a little more fun to banter back and forth and talk about how I try to close him and he says no and how he tries to close me on, on giving him money and I get to say no um, and all that fun stuff too. Um, raise your hand if you've ever gone in to buy something. It was something that you absolutely wanted, you absolutely needed. You got it for the right price. And at the end of the day, you felt dirty when you left. Okay. And on the flip side, raise your hand if you've ever gone in to buy something. You, you know for sure when you left, you were totally upsold. You left with something that you were not expecting, and you felt great about it. Okay? So the reason why we have to talk about DISC a little bit to start with is because the difference between the first and the second is uh, the salesperson was or was not speaking your language. That is the difference between you being feeling dirty about a sale or the difference between you feeling really great about the sale. Okay, we all know how we like to be sold. The problem is, is we sell everybody that way. And so that why, well, I want to start with Jay talking through a little bit of the disc stuff, uh, breaking down a little bit about the head, the heart, the, 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 the uh, gut kind of decisions is because that rolls into the right ways, the appropriate ways to close people. I think that we forget that closing is not a bad word. It's a good word because we're salespeople, right? But when you when you say out loud, I, I, my, my job is to close people, my person, my job is as a salesperson we get a little squeamish about it. I want you to reframe your mind in terms of your job is to help people make a good buying decision. That's your job. Your job is to help them make a good buying decision. You're not going to shove down the wrong product down somebody's throat. You're not going to make them buy a house that they don't belong in. That's not going to appreciate. You're going to talk to them about that. So I don't worry about this group. I don't think you guys are going to help people make poor choices. So it's a good thing to help people make the right decision. It starts with uh, understanding who your client is and how to sell them the right way. So uh, this is my first time speaking with Jay, and I want you guys to all give Jay a big round of applause, please. Thanks, Josh. When, when we first discussed the class, we talked about the disc, and the mistake we see happen a lot of times is the disc is often used just for hiring purposes. And we toss it to the side, and we don't look back at it and how it could help us closing our clients closing your realtor partners, closing your vendor partners, your referral partners. So I wanted to bring the disc back out and look at it with a different set of eyes this time. Look at it and how you could how you could take the disc and close more of your leads, more of your referral partners, more of your realtors. So taking a look at it, at the end of the day, what's what's the biggest fear? What's the biggest fear someone has Page when they're sitting there? 26 and 27. 26, 26 and 27? 27, yep. Okay, 26 and 27. What's the biggest fear? Like for me, what's the biggest fear one of my seller has when I first go in there and sit down with them to talk to them about selling their home? Anybody? Not going to sell for much as they need it. Yeah, not going to sell for much as needed. Being sold. They don't want you to come in there and sell them on something. Right? So, so if you take a look at the disc profile and you look at the bottom of those... What you indicate is each of the each of the discs has a different fear. 
if you know what their fear is, then you can work with that. So if you take a look at the fears on, on the high D, the drivers, you look at the fears there. A driver's fear is a sense of taking, being taken advantage of. Why is the driver going to be, t- feel like they're going to take advantage of? Drivers make decisions extremely quick. And so they feel like if they make a decision extremely quick that they may make the wrong decision. And in that case, you've just wasted their time. Because like when you make a decision, Josh, how fast do you make it? Well, like that. Well, like that. And if it's a, if it's a decision you have to really think about, like a big purchase. Then, I go to my, uh, then I'll overthink it probably. I go the other direction. And then would we agree that Josh is a high D? Yeah. So he makes a decision very quickly. Josh doesn't want me to come in there and waste his time. When you look at that, so as going through it here, the eyes. So the eyes you look at, so one of the problems you see when you're presenting and when you're talking to an eye and you're trying to make that sale with an eye and converting it, you come across as the professional. The eye doesn't want to see the professional. The eye wants to see the personalization first. So if you come across as the professional before the personalization, you will lose that sale. As Josh called it when we were talking about, he calls it a landmine. You step on a landmine there and it is gone. You're not going back to get that. So with the eyes, you've got to be very personal first before the professionalism comes out. The S, S happens to be our largest category. So the largest category, so this is going to be a lot of your people that you're sitting across the desk from with the S. When you look at the S, the S, the S on it, their fear is sudden change. So the S doesn't want to have any doubt left out there. So if you're, if you're giving this, if you're giving your talk and you're, you're going through it and you leave something of doubt out there. So like for me, the doubt would be if I, if, if I leave out there that the appraisal might not come in at value. The S is going to worry about that the entire time. And, and if I leave that doubt before I even have them working with me, they are not working with me. So the S, the S wants to have that safe, stability, confident. So when you're working with an S, you want to lead them. You want to, you want to demolish any doubt of what you're about to do. So you want to lead them, you want to tell them what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and the benefit to them. And you want to be extremely confident. If you start going back and forth like, man, I don't know, I can, I, you know, you might be able to get five and an eighth, or maybe it's five and a quarter. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be like, I don't know if I want to work with this guy. They're you know they're they're they got that doubt, and and then we look through the process, the process of it, and one of the things that that I'm guilty of all time is telling them, look, I don't control the appraisal, but what I do control is how well I do my market research of your property. I will meet with the appraiser. I will give the appraiser a very strong market evaluation of the price. And I will make a case of why this home appraises for what it is. And I'm very confident that my numbers are going to be strong. Now, at the end of the day, I still don't control that appraisal. But that S is confident that I did the work. I'm the professional. I'm moving forward. Now, your C's, your C's is criticism of work. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you several stories on, on C's when you get into like a listing presentation versus you know, versus working with them on the on, on, on putting together a loan. If you ever been, I know, I know, me and Patrick's talked about this before, but you ever been on a listing appointment and you're literally in there and you're going through the house and in my eyes, I'm looking at it going, wow, they finished the basement, but I can see all the tape joints. Oh wow, look at that tile. It looks like they watched a DYI movie. 
two minutes before they did it, or they did it off YouTube videos, and they did it themselves. So I'm walking through this house, and I'm criticizing the tile work. I'm criticizing the finished basement. I'm criticizing the stain. I'm criticizing the paint job. And it happens to be a C. Guess who's not getting a phone call back? Me. Because I just criticize all their love. I criticize all their work. The C's, when you fail to recognize something that they see as a, as a, a list of reasons why they're working with something, you may have lost a C right there. So that's, that's really kind of on the, on the disc profile. Josh, if you could kind of really dive into the head, heart, gut, because I know that's a, that's yeah. a, it hits home for you. Let me ask you a question before I finish up, because I think Jay made some really good points. Raise your hand if you only use disc to profile your future and existing employees. Raise your hand. How many of you actually use disc as a tool to sell people? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, I saw, I mean, I hate to point it out. Shayla's done a lot, a lot of business and she raised her hand. So, I really believe this is something we need to spend a little more time. The best way to move forward with this, go back and reread your own profile and figure out how you're wired, how you're triggered, and all that stuff. Go read a few people on your teams that are the S personalities and the C personalities and figure out how they're motivated. Motivation helps people make buying decisions, right? If you become a real good student of it, people stick out like a sore thumb. You're like, oh, my God, I know for sure this is C or this is a D or this is an I or this is an S. When in doubt, what are they for sure? S, Y. 60% 60% of them are an S. This is not rocket science. It, when in doubt, they're an S. Okay? Um, Jay asked me to go into the, kind of a, a follow-up to really uh, uh, boil this down. Uh, it, in part, it's head, heart, gut, but I'm going to give you a, a real quick cheat sheet to determine in two questions what all your clients are. Would that be helpful? Okay, cool. Uh, by the way, all of my team, my personal team, they all have uh, a layout of what DIS and C's where sound like, what their landmines are at their desk. Okay, if file it follows the file flow. So in our origination software, we actually have a place where you can put down the personality. So if the front end talks to them and identifies them as a D, this the the the, the LP2 doesn't have to guess what they are. It's already in there. Oh, I'm talking to D. Time is of the essence. Don't write 13,000 pages of emails. Uh, be quick. Don't chitty chatty. Give them the bullet points. Right. So here's the two questions. Okay. The first question, and it can be literally written down or it can be in your head. It can be on a checklist if you're having other people help you make calls. First question is, is this person aggressive or not aggressive? Aggressive or not aggressive? Do you actually have to say that to a client? No. Right? So I'm going to call Jay. I have no idea who Jay is. He's just a realtor that's on a list. I'm going to give him a call. Hey, Jay, this is Josh Sigmund. How are you, man? You're assuming I answered your call. Uh, yes, absolutely, because you called me back because I called three times. I got more aggressive every single time. Okay. Uh, hey, Jay, this is Josh Sigmund. How are you, bud? Good, good. Josh, how can I help? Well, man, uh, you can't help me in any way other than I want to meet you. I'm just so happy I finally got you on the phone. I know you're super, super busy, man. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. How are you? How's your day going? Jo- Josh, I, you know, I'm just about to walk into appointment. Stop. Aggressive or non-aggressive? Okay. Do you see how easy this program is? Okay. Second question that you've got to ask yourself. Logical or emotional? Logical, emotional, logical, emotional, logical, emotional. You can ask 30 questions or two. But really quickly, you're going to get down to, is this person a logical or emotional person? Jay is now my home buyer. He's walking down my, uh, from my uh, front desk to my office. Okay? This is a question I ask every single time. Are you excited about the house, Jay? For, for the most part. You seem a little stressed out. What, what, what are you thinking right now? You know, I just... I'm excited, but I'm thinking about everything that's got to, you know, it's got to occur. I've got to get you docs. I've, Logical I've or emotional? Logical. Okay. So here's your little cheat sheet real fast for a DISNC. Now, by the way, I would not stop there. I'd keep on trying. Why? 
Because if you remember in the discs, we all have a primary and a secondary, and some people are weirdos that are all of them, right? So you got to ask a, a few more questions, but you can pretty much quickly, again, all we're trying to get is percentage points, right? You get 100 leads a month, we can increase your conversion ratio by 2%, you're closing two more deals a month. Is that worth studying? It's worth that little cheat sheet, right? So if you are an aggressive, logical person, what, pers- what personality are you? An aggressive, logical is a D. Aggressive, logical, a D. A non-aggressive, logical person is a what? C. C. A non-aggressive, logical person is a C personality. Okay? If you're an emotional, aggressive person, what are you? I. Chitty chatty, want to be your friends, let's talk all the time. Right? If you're a uh, non-aggressive, emotional, what are you? An S. Okay? So very quickly, just by making sure all of your conversations start with having that as a bullet point game plan, do you see how we can increase your conversion ratios? Yes. Is it easy to teach to your team? Yes. That's why I tried this uh, this methodology. Okay? So take a step further. We go to head, heart, gut. Okay? This is the easiest way I can explain it. Uh, we are all alive because our ancestors were weak and they ran. We were not the people that charged the machine guns, right? right? Because naturally, we are all gut people. At some point, we all saw a dinosaur with really sharp teeth, right? We're like, crap, we should leave. And we ran like hell, and that's why we're alive. But we have an innate gut reaction to everything. That is how we're hardwired, right? We've all learned about something called the reptilian brain versus a mammalian brain. Let me remind you, reptilian brains, flight, fight, or the other F word, which is really fun, right? <laughs> that's why we're all here today. On the other side, if you go to the mammalian brain, we're thinking about creativity, higher logic and reasoning and problem solving. Okay? So when you think in terms of, we all naturally, like, you've all, who's read the book Blink? Oh, by Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell is amazing, right? Have you read Amazing. Uh, uh, Blink, tipping Do you guys point. believe that? Like, literally, you know if you trust somebody in the first second or not? Right? We have to listen to that more, and whether somebody makes their decisions as a thinker, like a C personality, or a feeler, like an I personality, or an S personality, doesn't really matter. Believe it or not, everyone wants to and naturally can make decisions with their guts. In the, okay? in the, in the book Blank, if you look at the first chapter and you read it, he tells a story about the statue that a museum is about to buy. Now, we're talking a statue that's older than dirt, and they're trying to determine, is this real or is this fake? So they go through the, they go through it and they bring all these experts. They bring all these professionals, all these experts, they test it, they do everything. Most of the experts all said, this is real, spend the money. One guy said, it's, it's a fake. And they said, well, how, how do you know? And he says, I just know. He knows in a blink, title of the book, right? He knows in a blink second that it's a fake, but he couldn't explain why. They come to find out almost two years later, it was a fake. And the museum spent millions and millions of dollars on it. That, that's, that's pretty much the whole book, all that first chapter. Show, yeah, absolutely. So that's where we want to make decisions, right? But then all of a sudden we have societies and communities and we start caring about other people and blah, 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 blah. Right? I'm just joking. But we start to think about other people, right? So we, we start caring with our heart. So some of us make decisions based on how other people feel, right? And raise your hand if you're one of those people in the room. Like you're a feeler and you care about the process. And if you will not work with somebody that you do not like, period. Right. Some of us on the flip side, we've all had clients, mortgage people. Tell me if I'm wrong, that you've had a client that says, I love you. But I'm going to use this guy on the Internet who's an eighth cheaper. 
Are they feelers? No. Okay, I'm just telling you, that's just the reality. And then we've got the other people that, as we keep on growing our societies and communities, we start having schools and universities, and we read more, and we, there's, we're in the information age. Right? It's all at our fingertips. So all of a sudden, we start outthinking all of our decisions. Okay, so be really clear. Uh, we can talk ourselves into or out of anything. You guys all agree with that? The better the salesperson, the more compelling the argument. Right? But the point is, is that if I try to sell somebody on, on my gut, like bullet points to a thinker, if somebody tries to bore me to death and gives me lots and lots and lots of details and algorithms, either way we lose the other person's business. Okay? So I'm just curious because we, uh, those of you guys that have talked with me before know that I don't prep very much, right? What, what, what Jay and I were talking at the time is like, man, we didn't spend hours and hours in the presentation. I said, I know. Yeah, uh, I teach what you know even. and you'll be just fine, right? So I've not prepped him on this. I'm just very curious. Uh, but if you go to the closing page, I think it's the very next page, 28, I guess is what it is. We're going to go through, I think it's the top eight closing techniques. There's a thousand books, a thousand schools you can go to, a thousand different consulting firms you could talk to to improve your closing skills. Okay, I want to point out that there are four parts to a sale. We have to remember this always. Okay, the first is initial contact. We can't sell somebody we don't get in front of, right? The second is what? Building rapport, because we work with people that we know, like, and trust. The third step is closing skills, what we're working on today. And the fourth step is follow up. Okay. What we're all naturally gifted in, all of us in this room and that's going to listen to CD one day, all of you are naturally gifted in one, pretty good at a second one. Okay? So you're all allowed to raise your hand just one time. I'm going to ask one question. I'm going to go through all four. I'm just curious what this room looks like. Okay? Of the four, if your gift from God is initial contact, you love it, you love being on the phone, raise your hand. That is, of the four, this is what you're gifted at as initial contact. Great, great, great. So I'm going to give it... What percent is the room? Five percent? I, I would say less than that, but less than that. Cool. Of the four, raise your hand if if you, if if I can just get in front of a client, they love me. My my gift from God is building rapport. Raise your hand. What percentage of the room? Eighty. Eighty. Cool. Um, raise your hand if of the four, I only get to raise your hand one time. So if you've already done it, stay out of it. Listen to directions, people. Right. If your skill, gift from God, is closing skills, raise your hand. There's like three or four, four of us. That's mine too. And the fifth one, raise your hand if your gift is you are tight in your follow-up. Well, you're in the right class. This is good news. Okay? Uh, I'm saying this out loud because you have to understand that this is an area of weakness for most people. Right? So if you're not great at follow-up, you got to have somebody on your team doing better follow-up. If you're not great at initial contact... You gotta have somebody holding you accountable to breaking your head in and making more calls, right? The closing skills, the problem with this area is that we do the work so often because we're forced to be distracted by our coaches, and we're all naturally good at liking people and people like us, but then after we do all the hard work, we don't ask for the business. And if we do, we ask it the wrong way, the wrong language, the wrong person. Okay? So that's where these closing skills come in. So. Josh, of, the, of those four. Yep. Which one makes you the most money? Uh, of the four, I think it's the beginning of the funnel, initial contact. Okay. I think that the more people you have in your initial contact funnel, at the end of the day, you can be a crappy closer and have horrible follow-up and still do better than the guy that's amazing at, uh, at building rapport or anything else, but they don't have enough people they're, they're pitching to. So in, in, a sense, in a sense, if we're looking at a competition and you're amazing at closing skills, you raise your hand, and I'm good at rapport, and I want to beat you in a competition, I would just 
I would just make more calls. Be Oleg. Yeah. Be Oleg. Yeah. Exactly. Make more calls. Cool. Yeah, I heard that one loud and clear. I was like, I'm taking notes. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, again, I, I don't know what he's about to say, but uh, realtor. So um, of the eight closing skills, okay, I'm curious, what's the one that you use? What's your go-to the most? What's the one that I'm going to use this for sure every single time? My, my go-to the most, mm-hmm. first closing skill, assumption close. Assumption close, cool. Raise your hand if you're, you do assumption close a lot. Okay, let me define that. By the way, that's the right answer. I'm so happy this worked out for us. Okay? <laughs> so an assumption close is this. So just write the side if you're not really clear. If there are no more questions to answer, the answer is the next step is. I'm assuming that you're going to do business with me. I'm assuming... You're going to sign this piece of paper. I'm assuming you're going to come into my office. In the absence of more questions, the next step is. That's an assumption close. Okay? So, above all else, what I want everyone to remember here is if you want to increase your conversion ratios, you always start there. So, you're going to do your fact-finding mission first. You're going to find out what they want. You're going to ask lots of questions. You're going to allow them to ask you lots of questions. And when they finally say, hey, Jay, do you have any other questions? And they say... No. Cool. The next step is I need you to sign your name, your number, and, and give me everything in your life savings. Okay? That's your middle initial. Cool. Absolutely. Right? Now, realistically speaking, as, as good of a closer as any of us are, do we expect everyone to say yes every time? No. So should it surprise you? Should it weird you, should it weird you out? Should it geek you out? Should you, should you run with your tail between your legs? No. The assumption also is, on my side, that there's probably other stuff that they haven't brought up. Okay? So the second go-to, I'm, I don't know the answer yet, but I'm asked Jay. What is the secondary backup close that you do every single time? After I've tried the assumption if close? If the assumption close doesn't work, what do you do next? I'm going to prod for more information. Why not close? Why not? Great job. I did the same thing. Okay. On yours is what's called the why not close. Okay. Now, do you think that I ever say why not to my client? Yeah. Jay? No. Absolutely not. Rick would. Yeah, Rick would. Rick would for sure. Rick would. What? You don't like 6%? Why not? Right? No, we don't do that. But what the question is, and I'll try to riddle for you guys, is in your head you should be asking, what did I miss? Why not? Why wouldn't you make an offer in this house? Why wouldn't you lock with me? The other way of saying that is, when you understand what did I miss, all we're trying to do is, I don't care if I get to a yes or a no. I care that I get one or the other. A dirty no sucks. A dirty no. I want a clean yes or a clean no. Anyone live that life? They like that more? Right. So I call in realtors for a living just like so many of you. Okay. I understand that not every realtor likes my personality, likes me, or likes my team. I get that. Right. But it's weird to me when agents say, yeah, I'll send you leads or I'll call you or I'll follow up. And then they just don't. They don't return calls. It's weird to me. Right. Well, every once in a while, an agent will say. What's it's it? not weird. We're just getting rid of you. Absolutely. Thank you so that's... much. You're going to fire me? No. It means I don't have to call you ever again. Exactly. I don't have to buy you drinks, buy you coffee. I don't. You're off my list forever. Exactly. I mean, right. essentially, when a realtor is telling you, they're, they're, they're saying, yeah, I'll send you leads, I'll, I'll meet with you, and they don't set that date, it's a blow-off. That's really what it is. So if you get strong and you call it for what it is, then you can eliminate. You can, it's either yes or no. A maybe, a maybe is horrible. I mean, you, you've read it, right? As Roy would say, be hot or be cold, for if you are lukewarm, I shall spit you out. You want a yes or a no? Preach, get brother, to it. That's awesome. Preach. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that's, all warm inside all of a sudden. A, so the why not close is secondary close, and it's really important to understand that, right? So here's what I want you to hear, though, if you're a realtor, you know, if you're trying to 
uh, show fewer houses over time. If you're a lender, you're trying to get somebody to agree to signing the papers before they leave the offer, uh, before they leave the office versus the worst thing that all buyers say. What's the worst thing you can hear from anyone? I need to think. I say it again louder. Let me think about it. That is, you are unconvincing. I'm not going to go with you, but I'm so weak. I can't tell you to your face. That's what that means. They don't really think about it. It's no, it's just, you haven't got to it. So the why not close then is okay, cool. Thank you so much. And by the way, I, I'm so, so let's pretend like I'm locking a rate with you. Locking I pitch you. It's 5% okay. for whatever reason you don't like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I did the subject close because earlier I had asked, do you have any more questions? You said, I said no. no. I said, cool. Sign here. And you said, I said well, I need to think about it. I need to think about this. Cool. Hey, I'm so happy you said that. I'm so sorry. I, I, uh, I thought that we answered all your questions. And absolutely, I'm going to get some paperwork together and we can talk about it. I want to send some stuff home with you. But out of curiosity, uh, what is it that you're going to be thinking about? So if I have extra information to give you for the evening that you can kind of mull over, what, what, what's the issue? Well, I, I don't really know about the down payment. I mean, what, what percentage was that again? I think you mentioned it, but we kind of glazed over it. Yeah, so we talked about uh, uh, you're a first-time home buyer, so 3.5% is typical. Uh, and, but and you actually have a better credit score than most, so we can get away with 3% down as well with a little bit lower mortgage insurance. And, and when would I have to have that? You wouldn't have it to have it today. Do okay. not give me a check because I'll go to jail forever. Okay. But you'd have to have that the day of closing. I think your contract states November the 28th. Is that correct? Okay. Are you concerned about having money available that day? Well, I, you know, I just, we got to save up a few more pennies and I just, I just didn't know how it played out. And, well, that's yeah. interesting. So I looked, I looked at your bank statement. I know you've got it right now. Do you see some other expenses coming through in the next two, three weeks? I was looking at a truck. I'm so happy you said that. So don't, but my point is this. Okay. Um, if I were to flip it around to to a uh, agent buyer scenario, so it's relevant to everybody, okay? So agents, you know for sure when you're in the house that the client should buy, yes? Like every once in a while you walk in, you're like, this is the money. This is it for sure. Of the four-bedroom, three-bathroom, three-car garage on an acre with a pool under 500000 the right ISD, for sure this has all but the cul-de-sac, Right? So we're definitely making an offer. You have no questions. The assumption closed. My why not on that situation would be, hey, listen, um, I, I know you want to think about it, but can I ask you a, a real brief question? Yeah. Right? You, you had told me up front, just make sure I didn't miss anything. And I apologize if I did. You said you want a four bedroom, three bathroom, three car garage on a, on a, with a pool on a call sack in the right ISD under 500,000. Did I miss anything? Nope. That's cool. So right. arguably this has all those things except for it's not on a call sack. Is that true? It checks a lot of boxes. Okay. That's cool. So I know that I showed you all the houses through MLS that are on the market right now. And this is the only one that has most of your criteria. So moving forward, this is just what I don't understand. Should I, is a cul-de-sac so important to you that I should not show you any other properties that are not on a cul-de-sac? No, not necessarily. I just think something else might come on the market. Okay, cool. Here's my point. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to funnel down to if he says something like that or uh, I find out what is it about the house, the why not. Uh, th- there's a, a master bedroom upstairs. I wanted one story. Holy crap. I'm sorry I didn't ask that question. I apologize. I will. So what you're telling me is to change your search criteria to nothing that's a uh, two-story house. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. One, one story is only. I, Jay, thank you for telling me. I will not show you any other properties that way. I'm going to change the search criteria. I'll send out a new thing in the morning, okay? And for the realtors in the room? That's being a professional. Because if you're out showing two-story properties and somebody want a one-story, I would even back it up to say you probably shouldn't have found about, about that at that house. You probably should have found out that while before you ever went and looked at a house. But that's the old cliche in the marketplace where we say buyers are liars. It's not necessarily like we want to call our buyer a liar. It's a lot of times they're doing their market research while they're looking at houses. 
So they may have told you, yeah, we'd love a four-bedroom, three-bath house, and I'm okay with the two-story. But then when they got out looking at it, and they realized, man, I really like the flow of a one-story better. I like how the room's set up better. That's where that whole buyers are liars come into play. They do, they're doing market research. Now, they happen to do market research on your time. So the more of the stuff you could get done up front, you're saving their time and your time. And that's a professional. Cool. So I'm going to take a pause here for a second because we did the assumption close going into the why not close, which should be done every single time, every time you close anyone. Okay. He gave me some indicators. I'm curious if anyone heard what the indicator of the right way to close him. Right. So I pushed a little harder. Why not? He said something along the lines of, um, I, I'm, I'm afraid that something else might come up on the market. Okay. Afraid is a what? Which is a what? An emotion. Which is my indicator that he's probably one of two personalities. Which ones? I's and S's. Okay, so you see all this all ties together. Because you listen, you can tell, you now know how to close them the right way. So if I were to jump around on your, on your piece of paper a little bit, there's only two feeler closes that I work off of all the time. Okay? One of them is the you deserve a close. The other one is the puppy dog close. Those are both feeler closes. Okay? So just remember this for a second. We know the most powerful emotion is fear, okay? We also know that one of the two, which is 60% of the world, is S's, and so they want to be led. S's want to be led, okay? One thing I want to remind everyone, and I, I talk to agents about this a lot, this is my hometown, but you should all hear this because lenders, this is the truth for you guys too. Um, if an agent makes on average 3% and the average sales price for this brew might be 300000 then the, the average commission is $9,000. As a lender, I know that he makes more per transaction than every doctor or lawyer I've ever done a loan for ever. My question is, does he give doctor or lawyer-level advice every time? Okay? If you're a realtor and you can't honestly say that you give doctor or lawyer-level advice every time, you're not doing your job. Lenders, same thing. My point is, is that that's the extra stuff that we've got to be doing. But and Josh, the, the piggyback off that? Yeah, please. Here's something that's, you know, it goes through my mind a lot of times when I'm working with the client in direct correlation to that. If you're going to go see a specialist, you're going to go see a doctor, and let's say it's for your knee. And that doctor comes into the room and he says, well, you know, we can just play this out. And it might get better. And, and like, look at Jim Reed's elbow. He thought he was just going to play it out and see if it gets better. Now he's wearing tape. Because it doesn't just get better. And then the doctor goes, oh, you know, we can operate on it. Uh, or we can put it in a brace. And they start, you know, they start giving you all sorts of options. How confident are you in that you got the right person advising you on your knee? Well, let's Not say it's maybe your all. eye. Not, Not at, all. at all. Okay, so when, when I go in to see a doctor... I want it to be very specific. It's like, Jay, this is what you have. This is what needs to be done. And if we don't do it right now, here's what's going to happen. It's like when I call John by and I want to, and I'm in Seattle for one night and I say, John, I want to go to a sushi place. If John gives me three different places, I can get that on Yelp. Okay. Or I can get that on Google. I want John to say, Hey, you got to go to sushi by the seaside and go between six and seven and talk to Tony. He's one of my VIPs. He'll get you a great seat. And I recommend item number 19. Which one has more value? Here's three places. I'm in town for one night. I do not give all three names. I, I just, I don't do it. I don't give all three names. And I've seen, I've seen where you go to different events 
and you go, you're, you're, you're networking with other agents and other lenders, and there's this, there's this myth in the marketplace that you gotta give out three names. No. You have to, they have, you have to give them the option of who they wanna use, but there's literally how mine goes. Mine goes, hey, if I'm, if I'm referring Josh and I'm referring Josh to Patrick, I basically tell Patrick, I say, Patrick, Josh is my guy. He's my lender. He does my personal loans. I wouldn't trust you if you went to him. I wouldn't trust anybody but Josh. But I tell you what, you got the right to use anybody you want. But I know Josh is going to get done. Are you recording this? That, cool, that's how I sure. refer my lenders. And that's how all realtors should refer your lender. Because think of it this way. If you're a realtor, do you want your lender referring you that way? Hey, here's three realtors in the marketplace. Two of them are in the same office. Go ahead and figure it out. That's going to be fun dynamics. Yeah. So here's the whole point, and that's, I love that you brought that up because it's so relevant. Uh, when he pitched back, going back to the two closes, either the You Deserve It or yep. the Puppy Dog close, in this case, I would use the You Deserve It close. Absolutely. Okay? That's what close you go to. It's fear mitigation. Fear mitigation is what you do for, uh, for somebody in this situation. That's what the You Deserve It is all about. So you're, you're hearing, like, think about like this. Emotional issues. Shayla coaches me on this a lot. She tells me that I'm all screwed up. She made me go to a counselor. It's really cool. Um, but she, ta- she talks about like, uh, people are afraid of what? They're afraid that they can't qualify for the payment. They're, uh, they're, they're afraid that something better might pop up in the market in three weeks if I make an offer on this one right now. They're afraid, well, what's my dad going to think about this? They're afraid about, um, am I making the right uh, financial decision? They're, all these fears come up. So you just got to settle, uh, settle them down. Dayton taught me this one probably seven years ago. He said, listen, do you remember when I sent you over to Josh? Yeah. Right? Did he go through a payment goal with you? Yeah. Did he go through a sales price goal with you? Yeah. Is this less than the sales price goal? Yes. Do you want us to go ahead and give Josh a call right now and go through the payment with you on, uh, over the phone, make sure that we're comfortable? No, it's, it's less. I know it is, too. The reason I bring that up is that I want to make sure that you're, you're well taken care of. I would not put you in a position to buy something that's not a good choice. Okay? So let me go ahead and tell you what happens with people that wait in this market. Okay. Let me tell you about Susie last month. Susie last month, we walked in the house. The first house she walked into, she, I knew for sure she loved it, and she wanted to think about it. We looked at 17 more houses. She came back uh, two weeks later, said, I know which one I want to buy, the first house. Guess what? It was gone. It was gone. Okay? I don't want that to happen to you. Listen, trust me when I say you deserve this house. Let's make it your option to back out, not somebody else's. Let's go ahead and make an offer. Let's get it under contract. Then you can go. So there's still some period of time. You get to sit down with your lender. Make sure you're so comfortable. You can still come back out again with an inspector. We can get your dad down here, too, if you want him to be there. But let's make it your option to back out, not somebody else's, okay? I like that. Cool? So that's a you deserve a close. It's fear mitigation. If you see that they're uncomfortable, call them on it. Call them on it. Hey, Alan, you look stressed out. What's in your mind? Right? Like, just ask. They'll tell you. If they trust you, because remember, most emotional people, they care about who they work with. So if they're still in the car with you three days later, they still like you. If they're still in the office, they haven't stomped off, they still like you. So just be a friend to them. Ask, what's in your mind? What's stressing you out? Okay? The other feeler clothes, the other feeler clothes is the puppy dog clothes. Okay? Raise your hand if you have children. (laughs) Then you guys are all going to feel me. Okay? There's one place in the world that my 11-year-old, 8-year-old, and 6-year-old will not go with me. Where is that place? Disneyland. What's that? Disneyland? No, I'll take them to Disneyland. What else? I took mine to Disneyland. It's called the puppy dog clothes. That's your hint. The pet store. I'm not <laughs> oh. taking the pet store. Why? Yeah. When the puppy dog breath and the puppy dog fur and the kids with their big eyes saying, please, daddy, am I, it is about rationale and logic and reason. No, it's, oh my God, price doesn't matter. I'm sure that this little fur ball is worth 3,000 bucks. Let's get three of them. Right? <laughs> I love that because we all understand that feeling. I want you to remember the puppy dog clothes for that reason, okay? 
Um, I point that out really simply because I feel like selling feelers is the easiest of everybody. Okay, the reason is, if you can, this week right down the side, if you can get them past the sale, it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with money. Just get them past the sale. Okay? Uh, Jay, have you ever walked a client through uh, a house before and one or the other husband or wife looked at a blank wall for a sustained period of time? It, yes. What were they doing? When I've seen it before, they were visualizing what that wall could be, what they could put there, what paint colors. Nice work. I don't know what that means. I've seen a movie once. That's like ding, 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 ding. Okay? Okay. Listen, if you see a client staring at a blank wall, they're not thinking about the color that's there currently. They're thinking about what they're going to put there one day. When they visualize what they're going to put in the wall, what they have or don't have, is that during or after the sale? That's your hint. Okay? So I always go back to the way that my wife and I end up in our house. It's a short story, but it's funny and people like it, so I'll tell it again. Okay? Um... Seven years ago, yes, seven years ago, uh, I went to my number one agent at the time, said, hey, it's time for us to move up from our mobile home. Rick Ruby told me I've got to leave my mobile home. Let's go ahead and get a real house. I said, dude, here's my budget. Uh, whatever my wife wants, take her out. I'll sign the papers. I promise you I qualify. You're going to be fine. Uh, so I'm thinking, this is a really good referral, right? So he goes out and he shows my wife, one year, 100 homes later, no house under contract. I'm thinking, why the hell wow. have you fired me, right? So then I started internalizing it. It must be me. So what do I do? What do I do? Double the price. Must be the price. Double the price. Bud, go find whatever you want. Certainly you can find that price. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I can do that for sure, right? So he goes out and he looks. One more year. 100 more homes later. Not under contract. So he finally calls me to fire me. This is a true story, right? I make fun of him all the time face-to-face. It's not a big deal. Took him 200 homes before he called you to fire you? Yeah, finally. Well, we were really good friends. Uh, You had to be. Had to be, right? (laughs) So anyways, I said, dude, listen, you, you obviously, you know, you've got to know what my wife wants by now, right? Like my only criteria, my only criteria was I want a three-car garage so I can hide from my three children. And I need to have a one-story house because I just have bad knees. I don't like going up and down. That's it. So give me a one-story house, three-car garage with this price range. Can you find me? It? And he said, yeah. I said, you know what my wife's looking for? She, he said, yeah, what he's, she's looking for is like an open kind of floor, pla- uh, uh, floor plan. She wants it to be kind of like Texas rustic. She wants her to be a big backyard. She doesn't want to be able to see her neighbors. And she wants a wood-burning fireplace. I said, cool. I think you can find those seven things out of all the houses in 200 houses. Do me a favor. Go online tonight. Pick out the top ten. Send us, uh, send us those top ten. We'll narrow it down to five. Set those appointments. We'll go on Saturday. I guarantee you we buy one of them. He said, it's not pro- possible. I said, I guarantee you. Right? Send us, uh, we narrowed down to five. We go out. There was only four available. One was sold already. We go look at four. On the second house, the second house, we walk in the door. We come in. We get about five steps in. I stop him. I said, don't screw this up. So I knew it. I looked around. I was like, this is an open floor plan. I can't see my neighbors out the back window. We're going to be just fine. There's a wood-burning fireplace. This is clearly one story. I know it's a three-car garage. Okay? So I'm good. That's it. And I just sit back and, and hold, uh, hold him off. And she's walking around and she's looking at blank walls and she's standing in a different place in the house and she's staring out the back window at the forest and, and uh, she comes back over and, and I said, babe, what do you think? And she says what she's been saying for 200 homes. She said, oh, that's nice. And, and uh, Chris is like, well, do you want to uh, go see another house? And I'm like, dude, no. I've been closing here for years. Let me close real fast. <laughs> that's why I got three kids. Um, I was like, babe. I don't think you get it. I think this is the one. Like, look, where the, where the sink, where the sink is, 
You could stand at the kitchen sink, be able to watch our kids play on the ground. By the way, she's pregnant. She had two. She had one in the belly. It's like you could see all the kids playing out here. Or I'll build a pullout back. You could actually watch them in the pool safely while we're in the kitchen messing around, right? And she walks over, stands at the sinks, looking out the back window at three uh, three kids, one which is unborn, in a pool that doesn't exist, right? And I was like, and babe, like, I know that you're, you've always wanted a wood-burning fireplace in Texas, which is 100 degrees, which we don't need it, but whatever. But I know you want this wood-burning fireplace. Look, right next to wood-burning fireplace is a great place for our Christmas tree with big roof. We can get a big one. And do you see how far away the kids' rooms are from ours, which is good for me, but on Christmas Day, imagine what's going to sound like on Christmas morning. We bought the house. I guarantee that's how I close her, right? So my point was, a puppy dog sale is, when she looked at our unborn children running down the hallway with a wood-burning fireplace that's already lit in the Christmas tree, it wasn't about logic and reason. We were going to get it at whatever cost. Are you clear about how to do a puppy dog close? Who can do a better job of that? Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, because they buy on emotion, and they justify it or explain it logically later so it's like i've been dayton's my coach and he's been working on getting a higher rp2 production and what i've gone back and looked at is three of my rp2s were buyers of mine i actually took them through it they do a great job walking through people through homes and doing those those little assumption clothes yeah. do, do you see the couch here is this going to be big enough for your truck is it and they, they do a great job of it because that's what i did there's too many times now that I've seen when I'm working for the seller where I literally see the agents send their buyers through and they're sitting like this. Wow. They're like, do you like this one? You don't. Okay, cool. Let's just go to the next one. And then when they get done showing them seven homes, instead of trying to close them, guess what they do? They're like, all right, see you tomorrow or see you next time. First of all, they don't book an appointment from an appointment. They don't know when they're going to go look at houses again. And they just let them walk out the door without even trying a close. It's one of the things that you, your RP2s, when you teach your RP2s, or when you're, you're going to teach your realtor partners, have them set up a coffee shop meeting after the showings. Because you might be running out of time in the house. You got those restricted time periods. You go to a coffee shop afterwards, you can literally do the why not close on every single house you just looked at. And you may be writing an offer on one, or at least you'll be finding out more information of why they didn't work. Which will narrow down your future showings and save you time and money. Save you time and money and save your client time and money. Absolutely. I think that sometimes the obvious, once said one time, it's really easy to remember. Like, are you guys going to for, for sure remember aggressive, non-aggressive, emotional, logical? Is that like the easiest thing ever? You had to hear it one time. You can teach it a thousand times. It's going to be in your blood forever moving forward, right? I think you hear the puppy dog close. It's like, oh, I know how to use this now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like going to the next two closes, right? The list summary and the option close. Yeah. Okay, the list summary and the option close. They're the same thing used on two different personalities. The only difference is length, quantity, detail. That's the only difference. Okay. So what I mean by that is um, a gut person. Primarily D's, but a D personality for sure. We like to feel like we're in control of the decision, right? Yeah. So don't tell them you should make this offer unless they ask you for your suggestion, right? So, for example, if I were a realtor, for sure what I would say is, would you like to make an offer at 500000 and have them pay 5000 at closing costs? Or would you like to make an offer at 495 and not ask them to pay closing costs? What do you think is best for your financial situation? Now, I'm giving up perception of control. If they pick either option, do I, the realtor, still win? 
Yeah, for sure. Did I lead them to the right answer? Yes. Did I sell them? Perhaps. But I sold them the way they want to be sold. Okay? Now, uh, in lending, same thing. Would you like a rate of 5% with, with lower closing costs or a rate of 45 with higher closing costs? What's best for you? Let's do the math. I can tell you the break-even is seven years. If you're going to be there longer than seven years, you got the extra cash, go for the lower rate. If you're not, take the higher rate. Trust me, the math is the logic and the reason. It makes sense, right? That's an option close, and that's good enough for a gut decision maker. That's good enough for a D personality. It does not mean that all Ds are guts. It does not mean all guts are Ds, to be clear. Okay? And it's but, one of the best closes to use for scheduling appointments. Yeah. What, give me an example. So, Josh, uh, would Thursday or Friday work? Uh, probably Thursday. Friday, I like you like fishing. morning or afternoon. A morning person for sure. So nine, nine thirty, or are we talking six? Oh, I know you like that. to get up. Two, three deep. That was excellent, by the way. Very good job. I, that, it works really well for scheduling appointments. It should be trained to your staff. It should be trained to everybody. On, it works really well for giving appointments because otherwise, if you don't give them an option, they're get, they're gonna they're gonna put you all over the place, and then now they're controlling your schedule. This controls your schedule. I look at my schedule. I got these times available. These times available. I'm giving Josh the option. But both options work for my schedule. Yep. So that's the option close. So you compare that to a list summary close. The list summary close is for what kind of person? Head, heart, gut? A C personality for sure, but we're just making it easier. It's a thinker, right? So I did this example earlier, list summary close. I, I said it when I said, I want a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, three-car garage with a pool on a cul-de-sac, uh, one-story, fireplace, three-car garage, under 500000 in this ISD. Right? So that's the list. This demonstrates to the buyer that I heard what he said. Now I summarize what the product or the house has in relation to the list. So this house is four bedrooms, three bathrooms. It's not on a call sack. It is under 500,000. It's outside the ISD. It is, so you're just comparing, contrasting side by side by side by side to exquisite detail. Okay? So that the C, the thinker, feels like that they have all the information needed to make a good decision. You're just helping guide that decision-making. Once you get through it, if it's not a no, it's a yes, we go back to the assumption. But here's one thing that, that I really think is important to, to, to point out for both the thinkers and the feelers. Once you've done it, you can say one of two types of closes as far as scripts go. My favorite script is, are you open to professional advice? My favorite go-to all-time, all-day, every-day, every hour on the hour. I say those words relentlessly. Are you open to professional advice? Well, I'd be writing that down. That is that's simple. It's effective. It's yep. right to the point. Yeah, I think it's the truth, though, right? So as far as the, the are you open to professional advice comment, right, you're just setting up. If they say no, then say, hey, cool, you can make your own decision. But most people, most logical or people that want to naturally make a decision with their gut, even if they're overthinking it or even if they're like super scared, scared people for sure. Yeah, I want your advice because I'm afraid of making a decision. Thinkers are like, oh, my God, I've got like a uh, beautiful mind crap happening in front of me and I can't figure it out yet. Yes, I'm open to your advice. That's how you transition somebody from the head to the gut or from the heart to the gut, where they naturally want to make a decision. Are you a professional advice? Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm adept at this, at this market. I know for sure that we've looked at every house that is even remotely in your criteria. I know it's a very uh, a big shortage of houses, and especially you narrow it down to the specificity of what you're looking for. If I were in your shoes, I would absolutely be making an offer. 
That's what I would do. Okay? This is why, this is how, this is what we do. These are the next steps. Okay? Out of curiosity, what does your gut tell you? Write it down. That's the script. Out of curiosity, what does your gut tell you? My gut tells me I should be going with this house. But you know, Josh, some of these items that you summarized, some are non-negotiable and some are optional. So a couple of non-negotiable ones are on that are not on that list. Perfect. I need the cul-de-sac. So now I've never shown another house that's not on a cul-de-sac, right? But do you see how easy it is with a little bit of scripting that you can get people to the point? Like I'm just trying to get them to say clean yes or clean no. I force them to say the truth is I've got a non-negotiable. Like oh my god, I'm so sorry I wasted your time. Thank you for finally telling me this. And I'm thinking as I drive home, like I'm a idiot, right? How not exactly what one story. That's the whole point, right? But you get them there by saying, for the thinker, for the feeler, you get them to say, hey, out of curiosity, what does your gut say? So list summary versus the option close. Option is people that are already operating out of their gut or they're big, fast decision maker, deep, deep people. Time oriented, time oriented, right? List summary, exhaustion, and I'm bored to death to tears, right? But you got to give that to people that are thinking and you help them transition into a decision. So everyone clear about how you do those two out, what the difference is. Okay. We're down to two last closes uh, that, I, that we use in our regular repertoire. I know for sure we both do this. Okay. Uh, one of them that I think we all need to know is we need to fire more of our clients more regularly. Raise your hand if you agree. Yes. We need to fire more clients more regularly. Yes. But we are afraid and we need every deal. So we're going to work extra 30 hours on trying to put this turd together and polish it up real nice for the underwriters. Right. Yeah, it's not smart. It's not helpful. Um, so the takeaway close is, is a way to get rid of some clients that you need to get rid of. Okay. Or to get them to play by your rules. So here is the win to use this. Okay. By the way, you do not allow your team to do this. This is only the president. Only you get to, to authorize this type of close. But anytime anybody is violating the way that you do business, is trying to ask you to do stuff outside the scope of the way you do business, You've got to correct them one time and done with the takeaway close. Okay? So let me give you, for instance, for instance, every once in a while I still have a past client that I helped back in 2005 that was on a Nina, no income, no asset kind of loan, right? That comes back in and starts complaining, or my, they're telling my team, I didn't have to get all this crap when I got my loan 15 years ago, and no, I'm pissed and it's seven days before closing, and why are you still asking me for this one document or whatever? Ten Raise times. your hand. Raise your hand if you've had this happen before. Cool. So at some point, we got to say, hey, listen, take it or leave it. Like, I need, yes, I need to know your income to qualify for a loan. Yes, I need your docs, right? So what, I, what I'll do is occasionally I'll have to call a client, say, hey, listen, Jay, I am so sorry that I, I am failing to give you the level of service that you're looking for. I want to start there, okay? So let me just kind of give you some clarity. The world has changed. I'm required by law, based on the loan types we're looking for, for the best rates and fees to get a verification of your income, your assets, your credit scores. Got to get verifications from, your, from IRS, all this stuff. It's something we cannot get around, okay? So we got two options moving forward because you're asking me to close. The contract states we got to close your loan in seven days, and we're only a few days away from that period of time. So I either need all the remaining docs, those last three things we asked for, I need those by the end of the day today, or if I'm not the right fit for you, no problem at all. I'll happily ship your loan to any other lender that needs to get it done because I want to make sure that you're taken care of. So do you think you have your docs today, or do I need to ship somewhere else? I have the docs today. You can get it done in seven days. For sure, 100%. You'll have the doc today. Cool. And nine out of ten will fall in line. 
That's called a takeaway close. Uh, on, and on the real estate side, one of the most effective times to use a takeaway close is when you failed to price the house correctly the first time. I love that. Go into more detail. So you put the house on the market. It's overpriced, whether that was by your doing or you've allowed them to overprice the home. And now they are, every turn of the process, they're nitpicking you. The lockbox wasn't correctly installed. The sign didn't get there in enough time. So they're just, they're hammering you. And you know all along that, hey, I got to get this price down. 20 days, 30 days into it, you're getting hammered, you're getting hammered. I will literally go, you know what, we need to sit down. I need to see you face to face. And I do, I do my takeaway close face to face. And I'll get in there and I first apologize for failing to do my job. I didn't price the home correctly or I didn't stand strong enough as a professional when they wanted to overprice it. And I will literally have two forms in front of me. I will have a cancellation and I'll have an amendment to change the price. And I will have both of them already filled out. And I will say, here's the point we're at. I don't control the result of when your house sells. I control the marketing. I control the, I, I control the process we get there. I control the service. I don't control the actual house selling. Price is a big factor of that. Today, we need to either move forward with reducing their price or I'll help you find another realtor. And, and that's super powerful. Almost every time they will reduce the price, especially if you come from a point of, I apologize for allowing it to get to this point. That's where I use the takeaway clause I love the most. It. Raise your hand if you can do a better job of that as a realtor. Raise your hand. Cool. Uh, obligation close. This is one of my other favorites. For sure, guaranteed, favorite thing. Okay? The reason is obligation closes are one of the best places to sell from because it always starts with you doing something extraordinary outside the ordinary for somebody else. If you do something outside the ordinary, is it okay to ask for something in return? Yes or no? Yes, but we do a bad job of it. I'm just saying we make it too easy. So time lenders brush it under the rug, say, no problem. I'll take care of it. And behind the scenes, we're frantic and drowning. Right. And miraculously docs just show up on time. Sometimes we do that. We don't want to scare the realtor. We don't scare the buyer. Raise your hand lender. If you've done that before, for sure. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example lenders of how you can get more realtor business moving forward, how you can land some realtor opportunities, opportunities that you've got to do. Right. So every once in a while, all lenders will get a save a deal, right? So I've called on this one realtor. It's a great, something sticks in my mind for six years now. I was calling on this one agent forever. Wouldn't give me the time of day. Always blah, blah, blah. Y'all send you leads. Never did. And one day out of the blue, I got this call from her and she's like, Hey, Josh, I need your help. My lender really, you know, took a turd. The three days before closing, um, three days before closing, the lender, my lender I've been saying to, they blew it up. They didn't qualify right. I need to take a look at it because, you know, I've got this $500,000 deal falling apart. Can you take a look and see if you can save it, right? And so I said, yeah, let me take a look at it. I can give you an answer within 24 hours. As long as you give me all the docs in, I'll, I'll take a look at it, tell you what I think, okay? 24 hours later, I called back and said, hey, I got really great news. I got great news for you. I was able to figure it out. So I can for sure get the client the house. I can for sure get you and the other agent paid. That's not the problem, okay? Problem is that we've got a process, and I don't know at the time the process was 21 days. Um, the problem is right now we're, you know, three, I think it was actually five days. We're five days away from closing, and there's a 21-day, con- you know, my, my process normally is 21 days. So you got two choices. I just want to lay it up to you. You can choose whatever you want to do, okay? I'm sure that for the interest of the clients and the other agent, you'd like to close this as quickly as possible, right, Alan? Cool. So... Uh, what I can do is uh, one of two things. Either you can move back to closing to 21 days from now, so I don't wreck the process with all those people that have been following the rules with me, 
or I'll happily break my, my rules for you one time to try and earn some of your business. Okay? If you'll give me seven days, I will guarantee I'll get it done. I'll get it done in seven days for you, but I need your next three deals. Not your next three leads, I need your next three deals. Either way, it's fair, whatever you want, but you just tell me how you want me to move forward. Okay? Now let me ask you a question. Realtors, is that a realistic request? Is that an okay request? What do all lenders do in general? Lenders, what do we do? No problem, I got it. Crush the system. Piss off the underwriters. Piss off your clients. Move your deal in front of somebody else's deal. And what does that realtor do most of the time if we're honest? Never sends you another deal ever. Raise your hand if you've had that experience before. Okay? So the obligation closed is just calling what it is, right? If you're doing something out of the ordinary for anybody ever, you should ask for something in return. Okay? This actually comes in negotiation skills. Um, so go ahead and turn the page of negotiations real fast. So let me define uh, what closing skills are versus negotiation skills, because this is people confuse the two. I want to be really clear about this. Okay? Closing skills drive top line revenue. Negotiation skills determine how much of it you keep. Okay? Closing skills drive top line revenue. Negotiation skills determine how much of that you keep. Okay? So, for example, if I am a realtor and I say, come one, come all on 1% real estate, could I line up people all day long and get their house listed? Yes or no? All day long. All day long. Would I make a lot of money? No. No. You will go broke. Okay? Um, so that's really where this comes from. There's three elements to negotiation skills. The first step is the mindset. You have to understand the mindset. We were joking about, if you want to interject as we go through this, any yeah. like this happened to me, please do, because you had some yeah. play stories earlier. Okay. So as far as negotiation skills, when it comes down to mindset, the three mindsets are, first one is what's called a subservient mindset. Second one is what's called a gunfighter mindset. And the third one is a problem solver mindset. Okay. Obviously, the best negotiations end up and occur when you are in a uh, problem-solver mindset. It's a win-win for everybody, okay? The place that a lot of us end up earlier in our careers when we're trying to earn some business or we're trying to eke out a living is in a subservient mindset. That's the worst place to be for negotiations. This is what it looks like. You walk in the door at, at a listing or a client comes into your office as a lender and it's an attorney, okay? And they've sold a grand total of two houses ever and gotten one mortgage ever but they are way smarter than you, and they talk about it a lot. Okay? These are the people that are going to ask for money up front. They're going to be pissed along the way. They're going to ask for money afterwards. They're definitely not going to refer you, and they're going to give you horrible surveys. Raise your hand if you've had that happen before. It's because you allowed yourself to be in a subservient mindset. The way out is the takeaway close. And you want, you want to have that takeaway close early in the process, because if you don't do it early in the process, you are going to be... You're, you're going to be whipped the whole time. And, and it doesn't get better. They're going to dog you on the service. They're going to dog you on process, process. You have to be willing to risk the relationship to move up to their level in their eyes. You're already their level. You have to move up to their level in their eyes. You've got to be willing to let it go. So that's why I say, like, the takeaway close is, you're going to get on my bus, or you're going to get off. Either way is okay. We're both going to be okay for it. And, and, big, and, with, big, and with big risk, you take the risk, Oftentimes, you'll get a big reward with the risk. So if you do the takeaway close and you hammer it and you're willing to risk that person and they bring you up to their level, now you've just got somebody that's going to be a trusted ally, a referral partner, and now your conversations from that day going forward are going to be on level playing ground. They're the expert in their field. You're the expert in your field. Absolutely. 
So after that, you've got a gunfighter mindset. Okay, uh, it, it doesn't happen as much, but it certainly does. Certainly, I see it with realtors a lot for some reason. Have you ever been a transaction where the lender and the tell company are trying to screw it up? Have you ever been a transaction where the realtors on the buyer and sell side are trying to screw up a million dollar deal over 500 bucks? Have you ever been in that position? It is idiotic. Okay, because here's the thing. Again, going to what's the aftermath? If you stay in a gunfighter mindset, there will be one winner. There will be one loser. For sure, the relationship is dead. At the end of it, you're not going to like each other. There will be one winner. There will be one loser, just like in a gunfight, right? So the, the way out of a gunfighter mindset typically is just to call it what it is. Like most people don't wake up in the morning thinking that they decided they were, they're trying to ruin your day. That's their goal of the day is to ruin your day. It just doesn't happen that often. There aren't really that many jerks in the world. They don't realize that they are one until they're, they're, it's pointed out. So this is the script I would use. Say, listen, Patrick, um, Listen, I feel like we're in a gunfight here. Let's just use the $500 difference in, a, uh, in, a, in the offers that's going on, right? Hey, listen, Patrick, I feel like we're in a gunfight here, right? Like, I've got a really high respect for you. I know you're going to be around for a long time. You're doing crazy amounts of business. I'm planning on being in this business for 20 years, so I know that we're going to run across each other again. I don't want to be one of those realtors that ends up in a fight throughout this entire process, and then I talk every single client moving forward to not go to your listings, just not show your listings. I don't want to be one of those. I want to have a great, healthy relationship. Isn't there a way where we can find a win-win for both you, I, and both of our clients? Call it what it is. Logically, for most of us, we're like, yeah, let's figure this out. Yes, there's some jerks. Then you know, let's go ahead and get in a dogfight. Let's start biting each other. It's fine. Because I'm not going to show your properties ever again anyways. Okay? The third mindset's uh, obviously problem solver. We clearly know that's where we want to negotiate from. There will be two winners, and the relationship will be intact at the end. Second step in negotiations, commitment. Just write this down the side. He who is most committed wins. In negotiations, he who is most committed wins. Okay? So the question mark is, whoever is the most committed to their value, their product and service will not give it up for free. Okay? So if you're that lender or that realtor that's constantly giving subsidies, constantly giving up $500 cleaning fees, constantly uh, matching USAA and doing 1% off. It's because you internally are really that not that committed to how different and better you are. You're not that committed to your value, product, and service. So a homework assignment, work on your wow checklist. Do 10 things that the other realtor doesn't. Do 20 things that the other lender doesn't. Be special. Those value adds, those add-ons, that is how you become more committed. Do you understand how this affects you in your negotiations? All right. These are negotiation skills. These are negotiation skills. So remember, close the skills, get more revenue, negotiation, keep more of that. Keep more of the profit, okay? The first one is a flinch. Literally, a flinch. This is what it looks like. Your rate's five. What? That's what a flinch looks like, okay? Hey, I want to list, uh, go ahead and flinch. Let's see what your flinch looks like. Hey, uh, I want to list your house for 500000 What? Can we be bigger, bolder? Let's make some more. We can be I want to list it for 500000 What? That was better. Good job. Thanks. So um, my point is, people flinch. Raise your hand if you're the person that will try to ask for something in every single deal, get a little bit off every single time. Raise your hand. Cool. Okay, so just so you know, 10% of the country are flinchers. 10%. And flinchers okay. flinch. And flinchers flinch. I'll, I'll tell you about a deck. I had a deck built. And, and literally, they're building the deck. We've already settled on the cost. We've settled on everything calls me up as they're digging as they're digging the footings 
And he's like, Jay, we ran into some really bad soil. It's going to be an extra $2,300. I'm like, what? And literally he's like, I, $1,800. So here's the point though. If you ask any flincher, right? Who is the flincher over here? One of you guys were. Raise your hand. That was you. Cool. If uh, you ask every single time for a little bit off, right? Do you actually expect a little bit off every single time? The answer is no. Look at the flincher. She shook her head. No. Be clear. This is where it goes back to how committed to your value, product, and service are you? If the 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 uh, deck guy was like, I said twenty eight hundred bucks. Let me see your hands. I don't see calluses. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You're not going to dig any holes, right? I, what yeah, would you have paid? I would pay twenty eight. Perfect. Okay. I wasn't going to go flinchers out there. Flinchers flinch because they're flinchers, not because they actually expect you to drop your pants. So the next time somebody flinches, hold your ground. That's the lesson. You'll keep more of your money. So yeah. for the realtors, this is a good way where you can be value added for your client and you can save your client some money. When the other realtor sends over the inspection items, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You really want to ask for a carbon monoxide detector? I mean, I use it all the time on there. And realtors will go, let me go back to my client. They are being kind of a little obsessive. And some of those items will come off the list long before I even present it to my client. And then when right. I do present it to my client, I show them the first one and I demonstrate that your, I'm working for them. skills. Yes. That's a great tactic. Write that down, realtors, for real. It's a big tactic. All right? The next one is silence. This is a tactic for negotiations. It's called silence, literally. I've always said, best used on children, dogs, and husbands, right? Um, the story goes, same thing 10 years ago probably. I went out a little bit too late with some of my buddies. So I shouldn't have been out that late. I said a little bit later than late, okay? I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was just out late. I came back in. I was like, for sure, she was asleep by 10. It doesn't matter if I get in bed as long as she's still asleep. I got in at 10, 10 30, doesn't matter. Walk in the door. She's on the couch. She's wide awake, okay? I look at her. I was like, honey, you're up. Right? And she was silent. I say, babe, are you okay? And she was silent. I was like, it was literally like the exorcist. I confessed my entire life. I was out with this person. We were doing this. We were doing this. Here's a fun one. I had nothing, nothing wrong, but I gave it all up. Okay? In negotiations, the same thing happens. For example, uh, we've got a listing for 500000 this is the other agent. He decides that he's going to go ahead and lowball the offer. Let's see what they, if they'll play ball. Wants to send over a $400,000 offer. Bad rookie agent's answer. Right? They say, hey, we got a good one. We got a live one on the, on the hook. Let's go ahead and send back like, I don't know, let's send back like $490. let us keep them in the mix. Okay? Right? This is the side negotiations. Whoever drops the first number loses. Whoever drops the first number loses. Period. End of story. Are we starting off of 500 now, or are we starting off of 490? We're starting off 490. Yep. So success, failure, negotiating winner, negotiation loser. If it, if a offer is not within the realm of reality, the best answer, and they say it in the movies, silence is golden. Okay. The third tactic. Third tactic is called the sidestep. Okay. The sidestep is really simply this. If you're trying to be pinned on price before you've had the opportunity to demonstrate your value, product, and service, you must sidestep the question. Yep. Everyone clear about that? Yeah. If you answer with price first, it's over. Got to talk about the goals and the counseling and being, a, and being all that stuff, right? 
I will tell you this, and people think it's, it's funny and people think it's not true, but this is a real thing, okay? We know nonverbals are 70% or more of our communication. We know verbals are like 20% and 10% might be the content, okay? This is literally what you do for real if you're sitting with a client. So best negotiations are face-to-face. Then uh, uh, Marjorie decides to ask me, hey, Josh, what's your best rate? I said, that's a really, really important question. I'm so glad you want me to cover that. Before we do that, can we set that aside for a second? Because I just want to understand your goals a little better. Is that okay? Okay, cool. I watched your eyes go here to here to here. It's like a Jedi, Jedi mind trick. It works for real, okay? Because then I can go into the goals and being a consultant. I, I was agreeable. I'm definitely going to address that. But before you do, I just want to make sure I understand your goals so I get you the right deal, okay? Uh, the last one is what's called the swap out. The swap out is the last negotiation skill, okay? A swap out really simply is uh, the obligation close, that is the script, the obligation close, right? If somebody asks for something, you should ask for something in return, as long as you do something extra, okay? So I'm really concerned about my realtor friends that I coach that are my friends in San Antonio. Because so many of them tell me stories of they'll take their buyer through the final walkthrough, and the idiot listing agent and seller didn't clean it up, and it's a total mess, and it's going to blow up the whole deal. And, of course, the, the, the listing agent's nowhere to be found, and they're trying to drive to, to the title company, and it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to sign it. So what do the buyer's agents do because they're good business people? What do they do? Hey, listen, I'm so sorry about this. Let me go ahead and pay to, to get this house cleaned. Okay? Poor choice negotiation skill-wise, right? Because you did your job, you're full price, and you're going to pay for somebody else's mistake. So is that outside the realm of normal to offer up 500 bucks? Yes or no? Yes. So what I'm teaching you is, the swap-out is that... You, it, the best, the most powerful way to finish negotiation is to not say yes and not say no. It's the if I will you. That's the script in a swap out. Okay, Alan, I'm so sorry that the seller left this all, all dirty. I'm embarrassed for them. But before I go any further, can I ask you a question, Alan? Is that okay? Cool. Did I do my job? I just want to know from a scale of one to ten, have I done a good job? Nine or better? Have I done a good job? For sure, I've been available, kept all my promises. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring up something I, I normally don't do because my brokerage doesn't allow it. But if I were to pay him to fix this other person's problem, pay 500 bucks to get a good uh, a professional cleaner in here, could I, would you rely, can I rely on you to send me three referrals in the next 30 days? Did I say yes? Did I say no? It's in his ballpark. If he says yes, cool, 500 bucks for three referrals, might do it. If he says no, I still get the final say in negotiations. The last asterisk, whoever gets the final say wins in negotiations. That's the key. If you drop the first number, you're losing. If, you, if you're in a position where you have to, where you get to say yes or no at the end, you're winning. Does that make sense? Cool. Final thoughts, feelings, any stories that have to go with this? One of the final points to make when you look at negotiations whether you know lender realtor always look for differences of points of value when you have two parties and you're and you're negotiating it for something of high value for your client may be of low value for the client on the other side and if you can find those differentiation points that's why you get paid what you get paid because now you can give up something of low value for your client and gain something of high value for your client by doing that, that trade-off. I want to probably go over the, the cross your fingers script that we've been working on. Please. I, you know, I've been using that and the Rick comes out 
And the cross your finger script has been so fun because it, you just have fun with it. And I like to add a lot of a lot of comedy to my listings, and I like to add it to the buyer side. I tell people all the time, if I had a magic wand, I would have waved it already, and things like that. But that cross your fingers where you're, you're sitting there going, you go on the other side and you, you call them up, and you're saying, look, you ever gotten screwed or got a bad deal or bad service on a loan or a realtor? Has that ever happened, or do you know somebody it's happened to? Yes, I do. You do? Yeah. Here's the thing. You can cross your fingers, and you can hope and pray and go with the other guy, or you can go with me, and I'm going to guarantee you that this gets done, and it gets done right. Perfect. Which way do you want to go? I'll go with you, man. Yeah. And, and, and there's very, you know, there's very variation, but it's, it's across your fingers. I even take it to the point where I've added in my listing presentation, and I've added in my buyer presentation on one of the last slides, literally a cartoon with fingers crossed, so it triggers that I have to ask for it at that point. Do you, do you, do you know somebody that's had a bad experience? I'm gonna guarantee I'm gonna take care of you. Would you wanna go with someone that's gonna cross their fingers and hope they get it done? You wanna hope and pray that it gets done? Or do you want that guarantee? It, it's been really powerful. Survey Just raise your hand if you learned a few closing skills to help you close a few more deals, make more money, yes? Raise your hand if you have a few negotiation skills that will help you keep more of the money that you make. Cool. If we did our job, please let our boss know. Otherwise, you are free to go. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.